You're listening to Augustus Cho's Fry It Up podcast on the Nana Music Network. In the great state of North Carolina, USA, a big Southern welcome to the Fry It Up podcast with Augustus Cho. FYI, this podcast can be seen on video via patreon.com backslash Nana Music, N-E-N-E-M-U-S-I-K, patreon.com backslash Nana Music. Okay, to say that I'm very excited to have my guest today, on this episode is Pride Anchor, because it has taken some time for us to get together, but we're, are, we're doing it today. My guest is a member of one of the busiest working bands in the Southeastern United States. The name of the group is the Band of Odds. Once you see them perform, it's no mystery why this is the case. They are fine instrumentalists, have superb vocals, and unlike majority of other bands, they often compose their own original works, which are then copied by other bands nearby. You know the saying, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Not surprisingly, the Band of Oz has won numerous accolades over the decades as testament to their popularity and professional success. For example, they have been inducted into the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame, as well as winning numerous Carolina Beach Music Awards, also known as CBMA, affectionately referred to as the Cami Award. My guest and I have a number of mutual friends, but one in particular has said that Band of Oz wins so many of the CBMA awards that my guest actually turns down being nominated to give other musicians, musicians in the industry the opportunity to win. And that should give you an idea of the kind of a person you would be learning about today. The Band of Oz has recently produced and released a new CD, and my guest was gracious enough to give me a copy of it three weeks ago to listen. And it turns out that it has one of my numero uno songs on it, which flipped me out when I heard it. And since then, I've worn it out, having listened to it countless number of times. However, getting back on track, my guest is a musician, a superb bass player, arranger, composer, and the co-owner slash manager of the band and other business owner at Minimum. And we'll learn about his other dimensions in the course of the podcast. And with that, the Fry It Up podcast welcomes to the mic the one and only Keith Houston of the Band of Oz. How are you, Keith? I, I, you, you may have said too much about me now. I, I, now I've got a lot to live up to, so I don't know if that's good or bad. But it, it, it definitely, we, we've been working on this for over a year now to get this done, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're able to do it. Well, I appreciate your cooperation, your patience, and your graciousness. And thank you for coming on today. Hey, look, I, I, I'm tickled to be with you. And this is, if, if every, anybody's looking, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast. <laughs> um. To honor the Band of Oz and you, I've worn one of my Hawaiian shirts today. See? Love it. Love it. Okay. 
you know, I've been tracking the Band of Oz for some years now and always wanted to learn more about the story and the history of the band. And today is the day, Keith. Without a doubt, sure. Band of Oz is an all-American success story. As you and I know, there are hundreds of thousands of garage bands that start every year. And 99% of them never materialize. But in your case, it happened. Tell us the story. Well, I mean, we started out exactly like you said, you know, a bunch of kids in eastern North Carolina. And uh, as time went on, we moved and got more musicians, you know, from different areas and that type thing. Uh, and, and we've tried to change with the times. You've got the, as the music changed, you know, we went through college, which you and I have East Carolina, both East Carolina guys. Oh, we'll cover that. <laughs> <laughs> but as, as time has changed, you know, we've had to change the format of the music somewhat, you know, to try to keep up with what's going on at the time. Uh, it's not one of those things that has just sat, sat in place for all those years. And as we've changed people, some of the uh, members have changed and come and gone. And like we started in East North of, in Eastern North Carolina. Now, most of the group, we're pretty strewn out. We, we've got guys, you know, over uh, a three hour driving period, you know, to, to work. <laughs> you said a, a whole mouthful there. And we're going to unpack some of those things one at a time. Now, okay. um, every Christmas, you know, some people, some boys want to get their guitars and they start playing. And once they learn some chords, they're going to, you know, they're, they're, his dreaming of becoming a member of a band like you did oh, yeah. when you got when you got your uh, first guitar back in the mid-60s right yes. when you were nine years old i think you said yeah it's um, my understanding but but what separated say you and your group which became avengers later from yeah. all the other bands because there are a number of bands that start but somehow it worked out for you well, so give us that crucial moment in the beginning that held it together well, I think that all the guys wanted to play, and, and there was a, a, a core group. Some of the guys got out, you know, that we started playing with. Uh, you know, as time went on, there some of the guys just didn't care that much about it. Well, I'm going to go do something else. And, and there were actually three of us, Johnny Bird, who has since passed. Johnny was the original bass player with the Avengers, and then Buddy Johnson, our lead vocalist, and myself. And we, we worked together for years, you know, early on. And as somebody else would leave, you know, we kept a core, a core group working. And as, you know, we'd change out people and that type of thing. I mean, when you begin, it, it, you have lots of hurdles to overcome, like in any other band, you know, any bands. And there's a lot of issues. Yeah. But you held it together. Uh, was it the dedication of the core members or was it your love of music that drove it at that uh, initial beginning? I think I think it was more the love of the music. Uh, you know, we wanted I wanted to play. I, I, I always wanted to play. And I mean, I, I have that same thing right now. You know, everybody says, well, how much longer are you going to play? I said, until I until I don't enjoy it anymore. Yeah. You know, and, and, <laughs> and that's that you've got you, it, it's like anything else. You've got to enjoy it, you know, to go do it, to just do it. It was not a thing of doing it for for the money. The money's an additional thing, but if you didn't love it, it's not worth the time. Because if I had to go back and figure, well, we did uh, two parties. We did a party in Tennessee week before last, and a party in Kentucky. Uh, three hour three hour gig, but 
seven, 30, 10, 10 hours in a, in the van to get there. When you, when you figure by the hour, no, you know, it, but we went up and we did, did the jobs and enjoyed playing, you know, it's just that it, love to go play. And we, we love seeing you guys perform and no question about it. I mean, I mean, at least I speak for myself, you know, I, uh, we did a podcast with Larry Dean and yep. he also gave a very similar answer. I said, you know, uh, when do you know when you're going to pull the you know, plug? He says, when I don't enjoy it anymore, which he could not foresee, you know, because he's like you, just love, love of the music. But when you began this whole process, uh, Keith, back in mid sixties, did you think it would last over five decades? No, no idea. I didn't. I didn't figure I would be here now, <laughs> let alone the band. And, so, and you know, it, my wife. My wife was funny back in. Uh, I guess it was the late '80s. She said, "I said, don't worry. I'm only going to do this a few more years, <laughs> and then I'm going to do something else." <laughs> and and uh, it's been 20, 20, 25 or twenty six years since I told her that. So I, I, I'm still here. That's got to be true love on your uh, wife's part, but oh, she's, she's she's special. Paige is special, no doubt, nope, no question. Put up with the lifestyle. Well, Keith, when you look back on it for five decades, I mean, what are some of the thoughts that you have from your life that you led as a musician, leading a very very successful and popular band? Well, I mean, we've been very fortunate. I mean, we've had the support, you know, of the people in the audience and and the fans. Uh, they come out and, you know, we've tried to give them a good product and, and, you know, something that they enjoyed. And I mean, it is, and it's pretty special. But, uh, last, a, a couple of weeks ago, we played a wedding reception for a couple that we played for their mom and dad's wedding, you know, and, and it's a, a, another generation there, you know, that, that we're working for and they're good friends and that family we were at, uh, I had somebody else I know showed up at a wedding for these guys, for that family. She says, I understand they get a family discount. I said, oh, yeah, we've, we've married off about we, – we played for two of the brothers' wedding receptions and about five of the kids' weddings. You know, so it, and, and it's, it's, we have a big family of, of followers and, and supporters and then our sponsors. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like a, a, fa- a big family. That's beautifully, really amazing story that you, you can, you're playing for second generation of their weddings for families. Yes. I mean, how, what can, I mean not how many bands get to do that? Most of them fold after two, three years to, based on personality conflicts, and et cetera. But it's amazing that Band of Oz, based on your, you know, your leadership, is able to do that. And, you know, it all began in a small town in the eastern North Carolina that most people never heard of. Right? Oh, yeah. The, the most famous thing we have in Grifton is Shad, a little bitty phony fish. Yeah. And uh, but uh, and matter of fact, we played we were supposed to play the 50th anniversary of that uh, two years ago when COVID hit and everything shut down. And we actually did play it this year. Uh, we went back and played. Yeah. Yeah. So you so your life, Keith Houston's life began in a small town in eastern North Carolina called town of Grifton. Yep. which is between Greenville on the north end and uh, uh, Kinston. Yeah, Kinston on the south end next to eight, right? Yes, it. Yeah, I mean, crazy. from that small town, you've made a huge impact by your music. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, and we have been out here doing it a long time. And 
like I said, you know, <laughs> it, when it gets to the point that it's not fun anymore, I'm going to need to do something else. But it, as long as it's fun and I can keep doing it and I've got my help, I think, you know, we'll, we'll keep on. Yes. The second there, the second part, health is an issue at this point for many, many band members of, you know, that of beach music oh, yeah. community because most all of us are getting older in age. So yes. I keep telling all the band members, hey, stay healthy because, you know, you know what happened to Johnny Hopkins. You know, he kind of yes. fell back and uh, I still miss him. And oh, he's yeah. been around. He's a he's a fixture for Embers for years and, and with no oh, tower yeah. and all. But I miss Johnny's and, you know, I sort of don't want to miss you. But I have to say, every time I see you, you're in the background smiling and playing that bass. So. I know you're good. Well, it's it's been fun and and I enjoy <laughs> it. And, you know, and uh, we got to keep on doing it. And I mean, we're still and and it's we're fortunate in the fact that we've changed enough with the times that we're we're busy again. You know, yes. so that that that's thank goodness. You know, we're yes. busy. Again. Yes. You know, when I was looking at the Grifton, I've never seen this kind of situation before. Now, town of Grifton. Is actually in two counties, Pitt County and yeah. Lenore County. How does that yeah. happen? I've never seen that. The creek, Continue Creek, <laughs> is the county line. And you move south, you go into Lenore County. See, now I grew up in Lenore County, and you know, everybody always asked, Well, you went to Aiden Grifton High School. I said, No, I went to North Lenore. I, I actually went to high school in LaGrange, outside of LaGrange. Yes. I, That's I, 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 an hour trek on the bus every morning. That's and close after. to Kinston, right? Yeah. Yeah. How, how about that? Uh, actually, Grifton is 17 minutes from Kinston and 30 minutes from Greenville. Yep. And uh, you ever eaten a Skyline barbecue, Nathan? Absolutely. Before it became famous. <laughs> yeah. Before, I, I still remember going when it was just a small drive-in, looked like a drive-in. Yeah, <laughs> uh, get you a tray of barbecue slaw and a, and a and a slab of cornbread. Well, it's on my bucket list to uh, get down to Skyline Barbecue, and I'm going to mention that. Hey, I know Keith Houston. <laughs> hey, look, good barbecue. Uh, has Grifton changed much over the years? In the last fifty years? Uh, it has. Uh, I haven't been really in Grifton that much in the past twenty some years. Uh, when I went to school. East Carolina. I actually went to school when I got when I dropped out. I farmed one year with a friend that's actually got a business there in Grifton now, and uh, then wound up moving to Cary and Raleigh, and was in the Triangle area after that. Okay, uh, just so that you have point of reference, you were born in fifty, uh, I think fifty five, and I was uh -huh. born in fifty eight. So we're Right. Sort of the same similar generation where we can appreciate right. the similar culture and music and that sort of thing. And we probably grew up watching similar uh, TV, you know, sh uh, shows. Yeah. So just to give you the context where I'm coming from. Now, um, in mid-60s, you put together a band called Avengers, right? It's a bunch of guys out in the neighborhood. Yeah. A um, couple of questions. One is, how did you come up with the name Avengers for that group of bands? TV show. Okay, the TV, TV show. <laughs> the TV show. Okay. okay. I've wondered about that, but now we know. And yeah. uh, what was it composed of? What was the Avengers composed of in terms of the members? You had a, well, you had a guitar? Or what? Uh, yeah, originally uh, we had, I'm trying to think, it was a bunch of guys playing guitar. There was a bunch of guitar players. 
And then one of the guys, we talked Johnny Bird into buying a bass and starting to play guitar. We had a lead vocalist, Buddy Johnson. And then the first jobs that we played, uh, it was a guy from, we had two guys from Hugo, uh, Carl Edwards and Tommy Edwards. Tommy played uh, drums and Carl played keyboards. Okay. And how long did that original uh, compass people? Uh, Maybe a year or so. Uh, we actually in 68 won the, the Battle of the Bands. You remember when they oh, used wow. to the Battle of the Bands? We had the Battle of the Bands and we won uh, the thing in Kinston. Uh, had a had my dad, my dad and Johnny's dad, you know, really pushed and were, I guess they felt like, hey, one of the two of us is going to be with these kids and they're going to stay out of trouble. We'll take them to go play. So they were always, you know, one of them was almost with us all the time. So they, you know, it was good. Let's go. And, and, and very fortunate for that. You know, yeah, that, they, they, they were behind it, you know, to, to sit there and help us. But that's impressive to win, you know, battle of the bands. What was the music culture like in Eastern North Carolina at the time you were putting all this together? Um, it, it was a little bit of everything. And I think, you know, Woodstock happened, you know, right after that. And, and it was it, what we played was eclectic about like what we, what we do now. I mean, we did a little bit of back then, you know, it wasn't, con- I don't know, wasn't considered beach music. It was considered bop. You know, you do some bop tunes and, and that type thing. And then some rock and roll. I mean, we played everything from Jimi Hendrix, Allman Brothers to, Smokey Robinson, you know, Temptations. And uh, I think at that point in time, the Embers were really, the Embers were a big band at that time. You know, they had already been there 10 years, you know, and we got to see them and with the horns and eventually wound up getting some horn players in the band. And, you know, the music subtly changed, you know, we we started changing it. And it was uh, a bunch of guys there in the neighborhood. Yeah, that's impressive that Bobby put together Embers back in 1958. So, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have an affinity with Embers too because they were they were they started in 1950, and I was born in 1958. So I feel like Embers now getting old together. You know, it's been 63 yeah. years together. So, <laughs> well, you got to figure when you were at East Carolina, they played East Carolina. Oh yeah, yeah. They were down playing the Buccaneer. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. you know. On Thursday nights at the Buccaneer, you know, Bill Dill and the Rondales, and oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody and his brother down there. Great, great music, Keith. I mean, you know, the Tams, yeah. I, I saw the Tams at the Elbow Room, but we're getting way ahead. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. You know, that's the truth. And then, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great time. It was a great time for music. It was a lot of good music. You could go dance and have some beers and have a good time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I imagine when you started the Embers, all the members were self-taught or did you have formal musical training? Uh, the guys, like the guys with, uh, it with Band of Oz? No, no, no. You got, you, when you started Avengers back in the 60s, you, were you self-taught or did you guys get some? Everybody, uh, every, well, some of the guys, uh, like the keyboard player, I don't think he ever took piano, but like now I, I took guitar lessons from a friend, a mutual friend of yes. ours. Bill Irley, yes, and his dad Bud over in Grifton. You know, when I was growing up, and Johnny Bird took guitar lessons, and uh, you know, but I don't know how formal you would call it. And then I wound up uh, doing guitar from another guy that was in Greenville that had 
worked with Ed King from Leonard Skinner before Leonard Skinner was formed. Okay. So informally formal trainings of a sort. Some, some, yeah. Yeah, okay. Now, you know, we're talking about beach music as a genre. People outside Southeastern United States have no idea. As you know, when, when they hear the word beach music, they think it's Beach Boys somehow. Beach now, Boys, Jan and Dean. Yes, yeah. yes. The California sound, you know, that, that yeah. uh, whole perspective there. And we will be right back after this important message. get different answers you know larry dean has his own version of definition of beach music but i want to know how do you define how does keith houston define what beach music is i think it's just happy music and 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 and, 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 and i think that the thing was where it came, people came up with the name beach music it was like if you went to the clubs at atlantic beach carolina beach or or myrtle beach it was the music that they were playing in the clubs there and and, and it's it's predominantly black music. It was it was the white kids going out enjoying the black music, uh-huh. and, and we then, still do today. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and that, and that's the truth. And, and and that's where we're at. But I enjoyed. I I still love the music. You know, I grew up. It's like I grew up with it. And I mean, I was fortunate. My dad, when I was a kid, I still remember going down to the Embers Club at uh, Atlantic Beach. Uh, I remember the first time I ever saw the Embers. I think I was just barely enough to get my chin over the edge of the stage to watch the band down front. And uh, I've been friends with those guys ever since, you know. Uh, but I love the music. And Jackie came out one night and said, you guys do Reputation or so-and-so? And I said, oh, yeah. I said, I learned it off an Embers album. <laughs> you know, sitting at home with an Embers album learning the song. Yeah, between Bobby and Jackie Gore, I mean, there's a lot to learn there. <laughs> yeah. I actually worked at Ember's Club for a stint when I was in high school. In the, down Raleigh on, at the end of Six Forks Road. Yeah. They had a club. Remember, they had a club, and they would oh, come yeah. and play at the club if they, they were not touring uh, the yep. state. And yep. uh, during high school, you know, more from, uh, you know, 8 o'clock to 3 o'clock, I was a high school student. And then after that, I, you know, I, I worked at Embers Club and, and serving beer, you know, and back in the uh, 70s, you could do that, you know. Oh, yeah. Back on, on Creekside Drive, down yep. on Creekside Drive. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. It's, it's crazy as this going to sound. Uh, you know, they used to have a club on Davie Street. They had the club on Davie Street. Then they had the one on Creekside and then they moved out on US 1 North. And I think we played the last night. Every one of those was open. Band of Oz club. Band of Oz was the last band they had in those clubs, believe it or not. Well, that's momentous. They picked a good band to do that. Uh, yeah. Getting back to the definition of beach music, you know, um, there's a certain beat 
because whenever like the new album that you put out and other ones you've put out in the CDs, yeah. there's a certain rhythm to it. Oh that, yeah. That all you really you you clearly understand your audience because when I hear the new song, new songs and other songs that you've wrote in the past, there's a certain rhythm to that. Oh yeah, tells- it, it's definitely uh, you know they do the, the shag is the dance of the beach crowd and we try to cater, I try to cater to the stuff when we produce it, things that are danceable, you know, for the dancers, you know, something that fits, fits in. And you know, once in a while, there'll be something that may be a little out of the ordinary or slow tune, but a lot of it, you know, you try to try, we're trying to put the round peg in a round hole. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you have done that very well over the years, because when I hear it, it's there, that, that rhythm's yeah. there including the new song that you guys have performed, which we'll talk about a little later down the line, but it's there, which tells me that you really understand your audience and you really understand that music genre. But not every band is capable of doing that. Sometimes they put out some songs and it's like, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really hit, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, I've, I've been fortunate, you know, and people will call, I've produced a lot, you know, produced a lot of stuff for other, other folks too. And somebody will come to me and say, well, hey man, I want you to do my song. Said you, you, you know how to pick the songs. I said, well, they don't know how many I picked that didn't do it. You know how that goes. Says I've got, a, I've thrown a lot of spaghetti at the wall, <laughs> and not all of it stuck. Well, enough stuck that uh, you are very successful. But you also wrote some songs in the past with uh, uh, Keith, uh, let's see, Keith and Bi- I guess with Billy. Yeah, songs Billy. like Shagging and Super Summer. So yeah. how did that come out? Come about? Good. Uh, Billy, what it was was Billy. I put the music to a set of lyrics that Billy had, mm-hmm. and we he came out with about three pages of lyrics, and we said we got we got to shorten this down and make it so it's functional tune, and then I've done that, and then uh, Butch Barnes and I wrote uh, Super Summer, uh, so I, you know I've not written a, a ton of stuff, but you know I've got those two right. When, you, when they come to you, are you the type that hear the music first or do you hear the lyrics first? Well, they, both, of the, both of these times, the guys had lyrics and would put music with it. And, and you came out with the music? Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and a lot of editing, you know, and some editing and some lyric rewrite. Okay. Okay. Over the years, over like 50 years, you know, obviously people have to come and go. They have their reasons. But you pretty much held it together. And in terms of average statistics, I, most of your members stay quite a while when they do come in, don't they? We've been fortunate. We went a stint of almost 15 years and didn't have a personnel change from the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, I th- we had, uh, when Butch Barnes left, when, uh, when Butch left, we had, we wound up getting some young guys came into the band. At that time, they were young. And, and those guys stayed 15 years. I mean, we didn't have a change for almost 15 years. And, that, and that's almost unheard of. Yeah, what does that say, in your opinion, when some members stay 15 years? Well, I mean, right now, there's three of us. Uh, Chuck, the trumpet player, myself and David, you know, we've been trying to run it like a business and trying to take care of everybody. Uh, you know, you, you've got to take care of your people, you know, and that, that's what we try to do. Okay. 
the last time I saw a change was uh, like when Jerry West left. Right. And, and that was some time ago. And, uh, and then you have a new uh, Dustin came in, right? Yeah. Dustin um, and uh, Dustin Akui and Chris Jennings came in. Yeah. Yeah. He came in. And uh, my guess is that uh, they're very happy. And I think uh, Brady came in to, uh, to replace um, uh, Daniel. Daniel. Daniel Morris. Morris. Yeah. Which I yeah, still. During COVID. I, yeah, it was missing. during COVID. He felt like he needed to take a job, yeah. and 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 I told he came he came to David and I and talked to us, and I said you'd be crazy not to, not to do it. You're crazy not to. He's got the opportunity uh, to have a four hundred one k and work regularly, and, and I think and his daughter's his daughter just turned about fourteen, and he's been able to spend more time with her. Yeah, yeah, and I, I ran into Daniel, and so we talked about it. And I told him I really missed him, you know. And uh, yeah. you know, how Daniel is—he's just a laid-back guy, but he can one hell of a sax a player. Good sax, good yeah. sax player. And so Being is Brady. Good. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And uh, Brady was actually a former player for Castaways because I used to see him on Castaways. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when when Daniel left, we were we were having a tough time trying to find somebody, particularly during COVID, because a lot of people didn't want to come out and work. And we had some dates that we were, you know, trying to cover. And uh, I got Brady to come out. And um, we said, well, come and play. He came out. We got him to play a solo. And everybody on stage started looking at each other, said, oh, man, we got to talk to him. <laughs> this kid's good. I mean, it's like when he came with it, he was 21. And I, I think about the only formal training he'd ever had was some high school band stuff. And he can chart and write. And play. He's a he's a, a great player. I mean, he's scary to be as young as he is. Now that I know what his background is, that is quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. I mean, he obviously is a very good player because when he plays, I mean, you you know he's he's playing quality sax there. And yeah. if he's only twenty two, that's that's even uh, that much more impressive. So yeah. anyway, um, I've always been impressed when band members stay. North Tower members tend to stay together for a long time too. And I think it's They've a got yeah, I, I was going to say it's a, Larry Dean does a good job. Larry's a, 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 a friend, has been forever, and they, they run a good organization, too. Yeah, Larry's a sweet guy, uh, very low-key, very humble. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of, of you. you. You're also low-key, you're a humble guy, and that sort of thing. But both of you can get the job done very well, which uh, from on my end, the fans' end, we, we very much appreciate that. Now, you not only uh, play – and produce, but you also you're you're an engineer, right? You do all yeah. those things in the background, right? Yeah, you, I, I I've got a studio in Dunn, and okay. I, I do I, I engineer, mix and produce uh, a lot of stuff. You've been involved in in terms of production, song of the year, smoothie of the year, solo albums, uh, group of the year, and group album that sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, one of our mutual friends said that you are an excellent, excellent producer. I mean, Who was that? I can't tell you yet. <laughs> but, but I mean, you're not only a wonderful performer, but also to be that uh, talented in the background in production, that's, that's quite a gift. Well, I think, to be honest, that's more my forte than as a musician. I'm probably a better engineer. <laughs> Than 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 player. I'm, I'm I I was I was a guitar player for 
30 years, 25 years, 30 years. And then uh, when we had a personnel change, we needed a bass player and I, I, I became the bass player. So, you know, my, somebody says, well, you're a good bass player. I said, well, I, I play bass on a need to know basis. <laughs> if I need to know it, I go learn it, you know, and, uh, but it, it's, it's, it's good. And I enjoy playing. I mean, I, really we, I knew you were a guitar player prior, you know, before you became a bass player. But yeah. when I look at you in the background, I mean, you look like, you know, happy as pig in mud when you're playing bass. How was, oh, yeah. how, how was the transition going from uh, guitar to bass? Uh, you miss those two strings. But it, and then my thing was, uh, I was just trying to, you know, fill up the bottom, do what I'm, you know, play the parts I'm supposed to play. <laughs> You know, and David and I play real well together uh, and just, you know, give it give it a good support underneath for everything else to dance around on top of it. Yeah. I, you know, I play guitar a little bit, but I realize I in my next life, I'm coming back as a bass player. I think my personality <laughs> <laughs> is more of a bass player than guitar player, you know, and I still want to learn how to play bass, even though, you know, I'm 63. Well, I still want to learn. Well, I mean, with me, I need to spend a lot of time learning. I, I, and I haven't taken the time to do all I should do. But I, I, I learn every day, too. When you stop learning, you've got a problem. Very true. Let me ask you uh, some uh, philosophical question. What makes a band successful band in general and beach music band in particular, in your opinion? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm fortunate I've got a very good partner in the band and it it's there's so much it, it, it's too many times I think people don't look at it as a business and it's a it's a business you know you have to make business decisions uh it's like anything else you've got people that are working that are trying to work together you've got to try to keep the morale good uh and everybody get along and work and everybody's got to function as a, it's not a, it's a team. It's a team effort. If it's got to be everybody working together in the same direction. And we've, we've been fortunate, you know, we've like right now, we've got a, a great working group. Uh, everybody gets along and the players understand what's going on. Okay. So, there isn't a whole lot of ego issues like your typical band. Not that I, I don't really get it with my guys. I mean, because if you, I had uh, somebody said something about Chuck one day. It said, you know, you'd never see it to talk to him to think of the songs that he sang that were big. I mean, he did, you know, probably our biggest selling song of all time or, or what does the most online with listeners and that type of thing is Shamalama Ding Dong. Still. Still. It's still, and I handle a lot of, uh, of other people's material online. Shamalama Ding Dong does more than some group's whole catalog does. Oh, wow. The one song. I'm not surprised. And, and, then, and then, you know, and then, like I said, you know, Chuck had done Baby's Got My Number, One Foot Dragon. Uh, Shamalama Ding Dong. Those, you know, he was a, a, a big voice years ago. Yeah. With yeah. us. And, and you never know it. He, he never wanted to sing a song. Because he was a trumpet player. 
He was a trumpet player, yeah. and he's a, he was a music major, and he was a trumpet player, literally. And when we when he came with us for years, he didn't sing. He'd sing yeah. a little backup, and that was it. And what? then, like, and when Billy left, all of a sudden, Chuck's singing Billy's songs, you know, or if somebody leaves, Chuck's singing their song. Hard to imagine a Chuck in the background singing. I mean, I mean, what talent, you know, that was back there that finally came out and just, you know, yeah. we, you know I mean, he's, I'm going to talk about Chuck a little later with a new uh, CD coming up, but yeah. uh, you, that tells you kind of a talent that uh, your band had. I mean, sounds reminds me of uh, Karen Carpenter. You know, she's a drum player. She never wanted to sing. Her brother was the singer, yeah. you know, but I mean, you know how that played out. So sounds like kind of reminds you of uh, that story with Chuck, because I mean, what a, what a quality tone that he has. I mean, the songs that oh, he yeah. sings, Shamarama Ding Dong, still, every time I hear it, it still re resonates because of the oh, quality, yeah. you know? Great, right. great. And like I said, it was a big, a big song and it still is. Okay, we have, uh, what separates uh, Band of Oz from other beach bands? Uh, I don't, it's, it's hard to tell. I, I think a lot of it may be the personality. Uh, you know, we get up and do what we're supposed to do just like everybody else. I mean, I'm no different than you or anybody else. I, it just, I play music, you know, my job, I just go to my job and play some music and, and, and have a good time. So you don't, you don't see the distinction, the unique distinction of band of Oz. It's hard to say. I mean, we just try <laughs> to do what we do and, you know, do a good job with it. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's fine. All right. This is the end of part one. We thank you for listening and invite you to tune in the next time for part two. Meanwhile, join our growing family by subscribing to our podcast.